In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda. And Cinda is one of the fastest growing digital nonprofit associations in Europe. And they don't only bring you thought leadership, but they bring you conferences and they bring you information and they bring you stories about leaders and businesses from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org, but they, we don't have only listeners from all over the world. We have stories from all over the world, and we'd like to welcome our listeners. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization and constant change is having on our organizations and ourselves, and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In the series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us, don't worry. We are on every major podcast platform. So now on to today's episode. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm an avid reader. And I usually read two to three to four books a week. And for me, it's fiction because fiction allows me to emerge myself in fantasy, enjoy a story. But what some people do not recognize is that fiction sends us both conscious and unconscious messages. The characters in the stories we read often teach us lessons through who they are, how they act, and what they do. But these kinds of messages are more often associated with sci-fi or fantasy novels that more likely are overt uh, re- to relating messages around social justice, ethics, morals. We don't always associate the kinds of messages with romance and action novels, but I love romantic action novels, and there are many out there, but very few address the social challenges we have today. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I came across an author whose novels were not only great romance action stories, but she also taught the readers through subtle messages and teachings that were weaved into her stories through her books, her characters, and the situations. And I fell in love with these novels. Now, it was not only the combined romance and action I liked, but I could feel her passion for history, diversity, social rightness. And for this reason, I reached out for her and asked her to interview on this show, Leadership Beyond Borders. And I'd like to have a warm welcome to Suzanne Brockman. Now, after her childhood plans to become the captain of the starship didn't pan out, she took her fascination with military history, her respect for men and women who serve, and her reverence for diversity and her love of storytelling and explored brave new worlds as the New York Times best-selling romance author. Over the past 28 years, she had written 60 novels, including her award-winning Troubleshooter series about Navy SEAL heroes and the women and the men who win their hearts. In addition to writing books, she has produced feature-length movies, such as the award-winning comedy The Perfect Wedding, which she wrote with her husband, Ed Gaffney, and their son, Jason, the thriller Russian Doll, and many others. She has co-written the Yacht Night series with her daughter, Melanie, and is the publisher and author of MM line of category romances called Susan Brockman Presents. In 2018, Suze was given the Nora Roberts Lifetime Achievement Award from the Romance Writers of America, and her latest novels are King's Ransom, Seal Camp, and Out of Body, all available in print and ebook. So, Suze, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Yes, it's, uh, this is just so exciting for me. Um, I just... 
I love your books. And I, I guess my first question is, you know, how did you get into this? I mean, how did you start writing military romantic suspense? What drew you into this? Well, actually, it kind of it kind of starts way back um, when I first um, this kind of this sense of like I, I wanted to be a writer. I was a I was a young mom, um, uh, had two little kids, and um, and I actually started out um, writing screenplays. And um, so I wrote so I wrote these I wrote some screenplays. I had a wish list of wish, wish list of Hollywood agents, and I you know wrote screenplays and sent them out. And um, and I got a phone call from one of the agents um, who who called me up to say. Like, okay, so uh, I really loved your script. Uh, when are you moving to Hollywood? And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I, li- I live an hour north of New York City. My husband has already has a really long commute. <laughs> That's going to be terrible. And and um, and I looked at my kids and I'm thinking, okay, so d- doing the math, Jason, my youngest will be 18 in 2003. So you know, this was this was 1991. So. Yeah. Um, so the, the the agent said to me, "Look, you know, you're a really good writer, which is which is an awesome thing to hear as a as a young person, particularly." Um, and uh, he said, "But but I'm I'm I need you to be out here. So if you decide to move to California, give me a call." And I hung up the phone and th- thinking, "Wow, that was like the best rejection ever." Now, as a writer. <laughs> You you have to write part of part of being a writer is you get rejections. That's just mm-hmm. that's just playing the game. And um and it was but it was an awesome rejection because it really it made me sit and think. And I thought, okay, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to get out to Hollywood anyone anytime soon. How can how can I how can I approach this? And then I thought, you know what? Stephen King doesn't live in Hollywood. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, yeah, okay. So um, let me, how about if I become a best-selling novelist and then I can write screenplays from wherever I live. And um, so my, <laughs> so my approach was then to, to, then to, to think about writing novels. And, and I, um, and I approached it very pragmatically, kind of the way I've do everything with a lot of research and, and analysis. <laughs> and um, and I knew, okay, so I want to write a novel. I want to become a best-selling author. I'm going to write genre fiction. I'm going to mm-hmm. aim. Not, I don't want to write the great literary novel. I mean, uh, I have some ideas about that, but but I want to I want to write genre. I want to write beach reads. I want to write what people read for entertainment, which is my step towards screenwriting. That that I, that yes. I was figured that. So, um, so what are the three genres? Mystery, science fiction, and romance. And I read all of them voraciously. And, um, but I, but I didn't really know very much about them, particularly about romance. And as I was doing my romance, one, as I was doing my research, excuse me, one of the first things I found out right away was that, um, that there was an, an enormous number of romance novel novels published every single month, like dozens and dozens and dozens, like, like many times yeah compared to mystery and science fiction. And I thought, hmm, let me turn my attention towards you, romance. <laughs> and, um, and I knew just, you know, from just from being a person that um, ro- that romance was already divided into two main subgenres, historical and contemporary. So historical books that are written, that, that are focused um, on a time in the past, usually Regency England or Scotland in the Middle Ages or that type of those types mm-hmm. of and contemporaries, again, books, present day. And I thought, I knew right away, my voice is best suited for contemporary romance. Let's focus on that. And, and, and the more I, so the more I focused and the more I learned, the more current books that I read to really understand what was, what readers, what romance readers were looking for, the more intrigued I became. So now, okay, so this was like, okay, late 1991, early 1992. And when I walked into any bookstore at that time, it was really clear that a handful of romance authors were absolutely dominating the contemporary romance genre. One of them was Nora Roberts, and another was Sandra Brown. Mm-hmm. And so I did something that's called role modeling. Now, this is, this is um, it, like, I wasn't looking to write like these two women. What I did was I looked at their careers. Where did they start? How did they get, how did, how, what path did they take to becoming, from, from, from being an unpublished author to being this, like, shining star in the firmament that they now were? Right. So I looked so I looked at them and, and, and I and I discovered that both of the authors started their careers by writing something called category romance for the publisher's Harlequin Silhouette. Now, these little 
and so I again and with, with the research, what what are these books? What how and and I really found out some really interesting stuff. A ca- category romances were published every single month, so dozens of books every month. They were organized into lines. For example, um, silhouette intimate moments. This was the line I first started writing for. This was their romantic suspense line. So every month. Silhouette into moments would would publish somewhere between six to ten um, books that were all the kind of the same size, same page count, <laughs> and yeah. and they and they were the, they 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 were incredibly the, the readership of these books was incredibly voracious. Uh, somebody who read this line would buy all of the books every single month, read them all, and regardless of the author's name on the cover. And uh, I, I found out, too, that that the, these books had gigantic print runs, hundreds of thousands of books. And the sales were pretty much guaranteed, again, because of those voracious readers. And I thought, uh-uh, when you're a new author breaking in, this is a brilliant way to do it. How do you how do you become how do you go from being Suzanne who to Suzanne Brockman, New York Times bestselling author? Well, you you get your books out there and and um, and you get them into the hands of readers. And so I thought, okay, so Nora and Sandra, they, you know, what would they do? They did this. I'm going to do it too. And I, um, so I started submitting books to, to, um, to silhouette and, and it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. Early on at at that stage in my writing career, I, I envisioned myself as, um, as a romantic comedy writer. I thought that was where I, I would, my strengths really were in that, in that (laughs) subgenre. But the the first book that Silhouette bought from me was a romantic suspense. And from that moment on, all they wanted was romantic suspense. I tried to sell them the rom-coms. They didn't want that. They when's what's your next romantic suspense? And so I kind of looked in my mirror at my looked at myself in my mirror and I said, You're a romantic suspense writer. Let's go. Let's do this. And um, so it was, so that was, you know, flexibility is important when you're um, yeah. You're a new uh, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. So I sat. So I sat down to write and kind of and and didn't stop for well thirty years. What um, <laughs> now? Okay. So you've asked me about military romance, um, um, and it. Um, uh, I, I'd been writing category romances for a couple of years, and again, I'm looking to see what does what what, what does Nora do? What does Sandra do? And um, they both wrote something that was called a mini series. So within the, the category romance, they would write books that were connected. And, um, they, and, and Nora wasn't really, really well known for her, for using family as that connection. Okay. So the McGregor, McGregor brothers, there are five mm. McGregor brothers and there's a book for every single one of them. You might have a couple of McGregor sisters you can throw in and maybe a, an illegitimate brother turns up. <laughs> Or you can squeeze, you know, eight, ten books out of the McGregor Brothers series. Um, another another author I really uh, I really admired um, used a small town, mm. a small town as a, a location as a way to um, anchor the series. So the, all, every everybody in the in this little town um, had got you know they got their own book and and they and you had repeat characters, secondary characters that would show up in every single book. But so so one of the things I discovered that was readers really loved books that were connected like this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and both of these women used that to increase their readership. And so, so I was, I was active, it was like maybe 1993 or four now, and I'm actively looking for a mini series hook. And I wanted something to, I wanted to be a little bit different. So I didn't want to use family. I didn't want to use location. And I was just kind of, I put the word out among my non-writer friends. Um, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm brainstorming. So throw ideas at me. There's no such thing as a stupid idea. Just, you know, let me know if you think of anything, because I'm, I'm I'm working on it. And and um, I uh, one of my one of my really good friends, um, a guy named Eric, um, went to the dentist. And and I like to tell people, you know, I I always get asked, why do you write about Navy SEALs? And I I think it's it's fun to say, well, I, I write about Navy SEALs because my friend Eric went to the dentist. <laughs> um, and uh, but. But think about it. You're at the dentist. You're waiting for your appointment. You're maybe a little anxious. And there's a table filled with magazines. So you start flipping through. And Eric uh, stumbled upon an ancient copy of Newsweek that had an article about Navy SEAL Bud's Training Hell Week. 
Bud's mm-hmm. training is called is, is it's called B U D slash S. So it's basic yeah. underwater demolition slash SEAL, and it's the training that every SEAL candidate goes through to become a SEAL, and it's the most crushing, grueling, punishing training that's in the entire military. And there's one week of this, or the early part of the training, phase one training, that's called Hell Week. And um, it is it is actually, um, it's just, it's five days of just like incredible challenges. And this this Newsweek article was about that. And so Eric got home from the dentist and called me up and um, this was before the internet really. So he said, run to the library because I have found your miniseries hook. And I, I remember, I, I immediately went to the library. I remember sitting in the magazine stacks, reading this hard copy of this Newsweek magazine about Navy SEALs and thinking, yes, yes, it was a really good fit for me. Now, I was a um, when I was a child, I was a World War II history buff. And so I read, when I was about 11 years old, I read every book in my library about World War II. So I read everything from the action-y books like The Great Escape and The Longest Day to, um, you know, the the logistical analysis of the Battle of Midway. And, uh, you know, I, read, I just read everything. And all those young, fresh brain cells had <laughs> 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 information. So I was really, I had, a, I had a great deal of knowledge about the military, even though I myself had never served. I had incredible respect for the for the people who who served particularly particularly during World War II. Yeah. And um, yeah, so 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 that's I mean that's an incredible story. Um, and and I want to come back to that. We're going to take a short break in a minute, but I want to come back to that because because this starts you weave so much history into everything. And and um, I have a couple of questions on on you know what you know what do you think. Do you think people remember history? I, I think it's so important how you weave it into your books, and I think this is a a great story. Um, how you you know went to the dentist and came up with seals. So I mean yeah. that's great. Um, we're gonna. Um, Suzanne, we're going to take a quick break now. And for our listeners, we are talking to Suzanne Brockman, um, who over the past 28 years has written over 60 novels, including her award-winning troubleshooter series about Navy SEALs, which we're just talking about. Um, and she also is a producer of quite a few movies and has a a new one coming up that's going to be streaming on Amazon very soon, actually uh, within the next weeks, um, this month of October, and it's called Out of Body, and it's a romantic comedy with paranormal elements, which is a little bit different than some of your Navy SEAL books, Suzanne, um, but I've read it, a great romantic comedy, and um, look for that on Amazon, and of course, you can find Sue's all over Amazon. Um, her books are also for international leader, readers. I've read uh, two of them in German, Sue's. So they are also out there in other language. And you can reach her on Twitter under Sue's Brockman and under her website, SuzanneBrockman.com, and on Facebook, Suzanne Brockman Books. And with that, Suzanne, I have a couple questions on, on not just about the series, but also some of the things, some of the messages you have in some of your books when we get back. So we're going to take a short break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to The Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel, with a Replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and we're having a great, exciting conversation today with Suzanne Brockman, um, one of my favorite authors. Actually, I have to say my favorite. I'm going to say that. Um, And she has, over the past 28 years, written 60 novels, including her award-winning Troubleshooter series about Navy SEAL heroes and the women and men who win their hearts. So, Suzanne, um, really cool explanation from you on how you got into this and um, the difference between kind of historical and contemporary romance. And so you're doing contemporary. But right. as you see, as said, as you said before the the break, um, you're you're a, a history buff. And I've read what I think is really interesting in a lot of your novels, you weave in little stories, kind of sub stories that give us insights into history. Um, one of them I remember from a book about a female pilot in World War II, which not only gives us insight into history, but also into you know diversity and women in the military. Um, and then you had another one about uh, mixed marriage in historical and in World War II. Um, how important do you think it is to to weave into fiction also important aspects that make us think about history? Oh, I I think it's I think it's just a um, it's it's fascinating. They're they're fascinating stories, and um, and and they make for, for uh, like it's not only important to for us to remember that that these things happen because you know so history does not repeat itself, right, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just wildly good entertainment and mm-hmm. and um, and and if you so if you can if you can teach and entertain at the same time that that to me is the you know the ultimate and so I'm so I'm always looking to do that and and again I'm I'm coming from a place where I was really fascinated by World War II history and and um, and knowing all these stories and 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 being able to to weave them in to the books I was writing, you know, when I what back when I first started writing, um, there was World War Two. That period of time was not considered historical enough, so there was really no market for it in in uh, in the publishing world. So if I wrote a book that was set in World War Two, I would not have been able to sell it because it wasn't like these historical novels went up to about 1900. You know, the American West. Mm-hmm. That, and and so there was just I mean really that nobody would have known what to do with a book about World War II in the romance genre at that time. So I thought, okay, let me let me weave these stories into in, into contemporary stories because that would allow me to do something else that I really um, wanted to do in my books. Um, so many romance novels could could focus on young beautiful people. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> focus on people maybe who weren't quite so beautiful, like a hero who might be balding or, or, um, you know, kind of a hero named Joe rather than Reginald or something like that. And, and, um, so, so I was, so I was looking to tell those stories and I also wanted to, to show, um, that, um, that elderly people have a place in our world. We are, as a society, we often push them to the side. But here, here's, here are all these people who have such wisdom and such beauty from that wisdom, and they are incredible participants in our society. And and let me write about that. Let me write about um, let, books that that include characters who are older who have something to add to the team. And um, and by by including a World War II story and then having those characters in, in, as their older selves be present in the contemporary story um I, I was able to do that so so really it like checked a lot of boxes for me for for my um kind of my my desire to be uh diverse with my cast of characters in my books and um and my love for history to be able to tell those stories as well mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i think that's so important and i think what what also comes out in your books um 
is in the contemporary, it's not just about history, but when you're talking about the military, of course, we have the SEALs and we're going to come to those later. But but you talk a lot. You, there's some thing, there's some messages about veterans uh, throughout the book. OK, and um how important, you know, that brings another story aspect, but uh, it also for me brought a, a social message for me to remember, you know, about our veterans. Is that, was that your thinking behind this as you weave this in here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, when I was a child growing up, veterans were, um, well, it was a kind of a mixed message for me because yeah. I was in the Vietnam era. Yeah. And, also growing up when I was quite young, um, you know, the, the, for example, my parents went to college. They, they were just young enough to have missed World War II in terms of my dad being up for the draft. I think he turned, you know, he was born in 30, 1930. So he just, he wasn't, he didn't see action. Um, and he didn't, he didn't have an opportunity because he was too young. But when he and my mom were in college, um, all of their, um, classmates were were taking advantage of the GI Bill. These were mm-hmm. young men in their mid to late twenties who um, who had spent their youth <laughs> on the battlefield, and yeah. uh, and now were taking advantage of this incredible opportunity to get an education. And so so I grew the, the, so those were my parents' friends, and um, you know they had you know they'd served on a submarine, and they'd served in you know in Europe, they'd served in in the Pacific, and mm-hmm. and um, and. And they, and they were treated with incredible respect. And then you, then you got the, you know, the Vietnam era where, where everything was a, was a mess in terms of returning veterans, and and mm. and, and we kind of dropped the ball as a society in, in yeah. terms of telling um, our our veterans that we respect them. And to me, the ultimate thing to do for a veteran is to make sure that they are cared for when they mm-hmm. return because we send our young people to war and they face terrible atrocities and, and experiences. And then we expect them to come home and just fit in. And, and yeah. so healthcare, mental healthcare and, and, um, and support um, throughout the rest of their lives, really. I mean, we owe it to them and, and we, we, we haven't quite managed to be able to do that um, to, to, as a society to kind of pony up and, and, and pay for that. Yeah, uh, that that that's absolutely true, and I think I think the respect that comes through in a lot of the stories you weave it in there, and um, you know, thank you for doing that. And when talking about your stories, I, I want to come to the characters, okay? And I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the women, okay? Um, and and in your in your books, okay? And they're they're just incredible characters, strong. Um, you know, an incredible message for, for young women out there. Um, you want to talk about some of those characters a little bit or, or you know, how you position them? Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm a feminist. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, in writing romance, um, it, it's, these are not your grandmother's romance novels. I yeah. mean, the the romance of today books are being written with incredibly strong female characters. And, and, um, and, and, you know, when, and when, when, but when you look at the, the romantic suspense subgenre, which is what I've been writing, um, so much of romantic suspense falls into the woman in jeopardy category. Mm-hmm. Right. So woman's in danger. Here's a heroic man who saves her. And along the way they fall in love, you know? So, but I, I really like to turn that on its head and to, and, and a lot of, and a lot of contemporary writers out there are doing that these days too, to make the women really strong. Let's have the woman save the man or at least save herself so that when he does come kicking down the door that, you know, she's already, she's got the, she's already holding the bad guy at gunpoint. You know, those are the stories that I really, I really wanted, I want to tell. And, um, and so, so having show showing showing that to young women, you know, to, the an, another thing that's really important, I think, to teach that that I try to teach in my books is that um, is that love includes respect, mm-hmm. and that um, and that when you fall in love with somebody and when they fall in love with you, that there's a partnership and and you need to be respected by that person. And if it's if respect isn't there, it's not really love, it's something else. And so 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 learn through these strong women that I'm creating in my books that how they win the respect of their of their 
partner or how, how, how they, you know, how they form their relationship that has a great, that has respect and friendship at the, at its foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely, it definitely does come through. And I think you're right. I, I mean, I know you're right. And I, with reading, I've read all your books and um, that does come through and, and they are great role models in, in the characters that you create and, and you. also all your characters. Okay. And, um, you know, you have characters, um, you're addressing, you know, same sex marriage. And if you look at the statistics in the U S um, seven out of 10 people finally agree that this is, you know, um, with same sex marriage and also interracial marriage. I mean, that, that has, you know, the law has been in place since 1967 and, you know, today about 15% of new marriages are interracial, but it's still only 8.7% of the current. Okay. And you have a lot of characters, you know, uh, that are in same sex marriages, interracial marriages. And, and is this also part of your teaching, um, of, you know, people out there to try to respect, understand, and be more tolerant? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know what? Okay. So, so my first book that, um, that was published, um, was, it was a, a category romance that I sold to a company called Meteor Kismet. And, um, they're no longer, they're no longer, uh, my first book was their last book they ever published, which was a, which romance 101, boom, you know, like your head mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's how the, the business works. But um, but my so I'm having so I'm having this experience of my first sale and my first phone call with an editor. And um, and one of the things she said to me, you, you, and you expect you, you expect revision notes. That's that's ex- acceptable. But she said, you know, there's something you really have to change. You have a secondary character, uh, the sheriff. He's an out gay man, and um, you got to make him straight. And. Mm. And I was like, excuse me? And she was like, I thought she was joking, you know, because, hey, it was 1992, you know, baby. Yeah. Like, and she said, no, seriously, you really have to do this because we'll get letters. And I thought, what? Really? You're going to, you're going to, you, you. And she said, really, there are readers who do not want any gay people in these novels. And um, so, yeah, so I so that was a kind of a radioactive spider bite for me because um, because down the hall from where I was talking, like in the the back room when trying to be quiet was my little little seven year old son, who I was pretty sure at that time was gay. And um, (laughs) and and I had to the idea that I had to, you know, I included a gay sheriff in my book because I wanted Jason to see uh, to see his reflection in my first book, to know that 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 mattered to me to have to include gay people in, in, instead of erasing him. But um, the, the, this editor said to me, you know, and, and heard my hesitation in my voice. She said, you know, you can sell, try to sell this book to another publisher, but they'll make you do the same thing. That's just the way it is. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, honey, no, no, it's not. I'm going <laughs> to sell this book to you because I need to feed my children, but, um, but I am going to change the world and wait until I do. Yeah. <laughs> and no, so I'll- it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was that important to me to, yeah. to, to include, to first include gay characters in my books and then to, um, and then to, and, and, and then to reach a point where the gay characters are the, the heroes Mm-hmm. LGBTQ characters are yeah. are major characters in in books, and um, and I think we've done a pretty good job. <laughs> it's, yeah. we're not there yet. it's it's a long it's a fight that we're still fighting, and it's a long road. And um, but um, but boy, it, it, it I I worked to to get that to happen. Well, I I think that's an incredibly fantastic, and um, which you know this the way you've weaved this in and and is really has made me have your series as my favorite because I think it is important, and we do have a long way to go, and um, so I really appreciate what you're doing with that and um, continue to do with that. So we're going to take a short break, Suzanne, and for our listeners, we are talking with Suzanne Brockman, who over the past 28 years has written. 60 novels, including her award-winning Troubleshooter series about Navy SEAL heroes and the women and men that win their hearts. Now, she was given the Nora Roberts Lifetime Achievement Award from the Romance Writers of America 
And she has new novels out, King's Ransom, Seal Camp, and a new one called Out of Body, which is a romantic comedy. And this new one is also going to be released right now in the next weeks on Amazon Prime. You can stream it. And fantastic read, really funny, and out just in time for Halloween. So please look on Amazon uh, prime for out of body and if you'd like to reach uh, Suze you can reach her at Suze Brockman and on SuzanneBrockman.com and on Facebook Suzanne Brockman Books and with that we're going to take a short break and when we come back Suze I want to I want to talk a little bit about kind of the seals because I think they're a great example of, of sure. team and I want to, and we want to hear a little bit about this uh, book, Out of Body, and the new film that's going to be just releasing now in the next couple of days um, on Amazon Prime. Absolutely. So with that, yeah. So we're going to take a short break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The soul of enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a Replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're having a really fun discussion with Suzanne Brockman, who over the past 28 years has written 60 novels, including her award-winning Troubleshooter series about Navy SEALs heroes and the women and men who win their hearts. She was also given the Nora Roberts Lifetime Achievement Award from the Romance Writers of America. And we've been just talking about so it was, you know, mostly your your troubleshooter series and some of the messages and you, that you have interweaved in there. Um, incredible story from 1992 on don't put a gay sheriff in there. I, I hope we have moved the needle since then somewhat. OK, um, but I can imagine it. You know, that's just, um, and thank you for for, you know, helping us move the needle. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the seals okay come sure. because one of the, one of the things that comes out in your book is is you know the team discipline and the the partnership um the, the, you know the the brotherhood in there and and not just between the seals but as you said uh before you know with the women they meet how they how they respect them and partnership can you talk a little bit about some of the the team work and how that's interweaved into the novels you write. Yeah. Well, I've always, I've always loved, um, they call them buddy movies where there's, it's, it's basically movies about two 
people who are um, unlikely friends. And, and, you know, Midnight Run is an example um, of, a, of a movie like that. And so I've always, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in relationships. I'm interested in the connection that we make with other people as we move through our lives. And, um, and so, so writing about Navy SEALs, where you have these um, very strong, men who are forced to work together because and and with with the understanding that um that a team is inc- is an incredibly effective uh kind of way to get things done because you have all of the expertise you are as expert as all you know you take your experts and you add them into the mix and you take the strengths of all the people you add that into the mix um you you compensate for weaknesses within this team. And it's just really, um, it's, it's, it's a really effective, again, way to get way to, to accomplish a mission is to use a a Navy SEAL team to get it done. And, but, but that doesn't mean that everybody's best friends and, um, and sometimes they are, but, but so I wanted to, when, when I was writing these books, I wanted to explore that, the, the friendships, the, the, um, the frenemies who are, <laughs> um, I particularly like, there's a, a, a Navy SEAL called Izzy Zanella and he <laughs> A, a frenemy relationship with another seal named Dan, and um, and those those two characters um, eventually become brothers-in-law, <laughs> and and that was not by mistake because I knew that 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 would provide for a lot of entertainment and and a lot of opportunity to explore what is it like to to get to know somebody who maybe you're not feeling very friendly towards, um, so so um, so I'm bringing those interpersonal. Um, elements into my books, as well as the, um, the, you know, the military aspect. These are all highly trained, highly skilled, highly intelligent people. And, um, and that makes for a really good story too. Um, but, but, the, you know, it's, I've learned so much about, about Navy SEALs in, in these past decades that I've been writing about them. There, there are little adages like, um, like two is one and one is none. So, which means that if you don't bring two of something, like if you, if you need a power cord, you better bring two because if you just bring one and it fails then you have none. (laughs) All these little, all these little kind. And I think about that, you know, when I'm like, when I'm packing to go on a trip, (laughs) what would a Navy SEAL do? Um, it's, it's really, it's been, um, it's it's been really educational and informative and um and I think it's I think it's just it just really makes for good entertainment. Yeah. And and uh, I had to laugh when you say Izzy and Dan, yeah. They were not exactly the best friends in the beginning. <laughs> now they're in laws, so that is a good example. But I think one of the other things that people forget about the SEALs and um and the military in general is the diversity because the these these people, as you said, sometimes are going to get along together. Sometimes they're not. They come from all kinds of economic levels, geographies. Um, they're from all over the place. Okay, and and you have you bring them together into a a, um, a group, and that kind of mirrors real life because that is the way the seals are. But it does it does provide with some meat for a story, doesn't it? Because there are going to be conflicts, there are going to be disagreements, there are going to be um, friendships, but they all have to work together. Exactly, exactly. And the really great thing about about Navy SEALs is that when they're in the moment, when they're in when they're in the real world, as they call it, when they're out in in danger, all the disagreements fall away, and they and they become. Um, you know, they're, they're teammates first and foremost, and, and it is, it's life and death. And, and there's, you know, any disagreement is gone at that point. And they're, they are working together as a well-oiled machine. And, and so that's really, that's really fun to think, okay, so, so how can you apply that to your life? And how do, you know, what can you learn from that? It's just, it's a, it's a really very interesting thing. Um, But I wanted, but I also wanted to say that, you know, you, you mentioned all economic levels, you know, geographies and from all over, that's, that's something that, um, like, that's kind of, that's what happened during World War II. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I feel it was the most, like, the World War II was a terrible tragedy. But if if there's if if you can look on the bright side for for from anything that came from this, at least in America, what happened during World War II was that the country, pe- young men from all across the country, 
work together. So, mm-hmm. so people from a farm in Minnesota worked with a guy who grew up in the Bronx and, and it, um, and it, it broke down barriers. And of course, now let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves because at the time the military was segregated. It wasn't until after mm-hmm. World War II that we desegregated. In fact, we did some really terrible, nasty things. The thing about the Tuskegee Airmen who, who were incredibly heroic officers in the, in the Army Air Corps and yet mm-hmm. forced to sleep in barns when they were, weren't flying their planes. But, but okay, but, that, but, that the, but the basic idea of meeting other people through, through this military action and and breaking down those differences, the, the otherness goes away because you're not some strange per- person. And, and, and you think about it, too, in terms of, of relationships with um, with members of the LGBTQ community. Um, yeah. it's, it's a scary gay guy until it's your neighbor. And then it's right. Bob who mows his lawn and loves his cat and his kid just like you do. It's, yeah. It, it, it yeah. personalizes it personalizes anybody who you might see as other and it makes them us. Mm-hmm. And, and and that that's great. And you do that in your books and with your characters. And um, and you're right. It, you know, we we need to come together more. And you're right. The, if World War Two is example. I mean, if you think back all the way to the to the, the war between the states, I mean, that's another example of, of everybody coming together, regardless of. Um, well, of course, there was a North and South, but you know, yeah. you know uh, regardless. But but uh, within within their own regions. But um, anyway. Anyways, I I want to um, I'm going to move on a little bit because I really want to talk about your your new, the book Out of Body and the new um, film that's going to be streaming because um, it's a romantic comedy this time and it's a little bit with this uh, kind of Halloween theme and paranoia um, you know ghosts and everything and w- what made you move in this direction you wrote it with your son Jason I think you said yeah, yes yeah. This yeah. Is a- this was an interesting project for me because um, because it was a it was it started it the, the first it's it starts as a screenplay so it was so Jason and I were brainstorming ideas and um, and and we're we're brainstorming ideas too for an indie movie which is a very specific thing now when you make an indie movie your budget is tiny and therefore you try to set the movie in 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 a single location, look, company moves is cha-ching, you know, you're, it's, so, any, so, so what you want to do is you want to find a, find a reason for people to be trapped, <laughs> you know, like, like lock them in the house. And, and so, so we, we, we were tossing around these kind of gentle paranormal ideas about, um, about this story about these, these two young men, they've been best friends for two young gay men have been best friends since college. And they're, they've both been secretly in love with each other for years, but they neither wants to rock the boat. And and um, and and yet this this thing happens a, a de- demonic possession on Halloween night and um, and when Malcolm goes missing except he's really in the house that Henry can't see him or or hear him and um, and so the, so we so we kind of that that's really where the idea started as a as the screenplay and Jason wrote the first draft of the screenplay um, he's a he's a director writer producer actor <laughs> he's a very talented young man and um, and I I sat in on the table read uh, through Skype and um, and because what you want to do when you write a script is you want to you want to hear the dialogue spoken by actors. And, mm-hmm. and so you get your actor, your talented actor friends and acquaintances together and you do a table read and you hear Then you hear everything right, right there. And I was listening to the table read and, and of this initial draft and we knew it was just a draft. And, um, and Jason, Jason is very drawn to comedy. And so he had written a rom a rom com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I thought, man, you know, this, this story it really needs to be a romantic comedy because it's about the relationship. It's about the, the, the grief and the loss. They, I mean, these two characters think that Malcolm has died and and then it's like, Oh my God. And so, so, um, so I said to Jason, will you let me take a pass at the script? And I mean, like when I say pass, can I chop it up with a machete? (laughs) 
<laughs> he was like, go for it, mom. And um, so, I, so I, I wrote the second draft of the screenplay and, um, and, we, and we shaped it and we whittled it down because I always write long. And, um, and, and so, so we wrote the screenplay first. And as I was writing the screenplay, I was thinking, ah, oh, this would be really fun as a book. And I would, and because the, the story is told from these two young men, each, each of their points of view. And so I, so I wrote the book using something a little bit different from me, which was first person point of view for each of the two characters. So we flip from Henry's first person point of view to Malcolm's first person point of view and back. So, um, yeah, so it was just, it was, it was an unusual thing. And so the book is a little bit different from what I normally write. And, um, yeah, and it's coming. The movie's coming. We made the movie, and it's coming out um, in in a few weeks. I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I read the book, and um, and for our listeners, I have to say, um, yes, it is a little different than what you usually do. But I, I have to say, um, I just said to Suze when in the break that I was laughing out loud on the stairmaster when I was reading it because I read on Kindle um, in the health club, and it is it's a great, and I I can't wait to see it streamed. It should be out. Um, um, very soon, you know, for for Halloween, and um, a, a great read. So, Suze, we're kind of at the end, and I'd love to go on for another hour because this is so oh, fun, is and fun. I, I'm so so appreciate all the time that you you know you've given us. And for our listeners, we you know we've been talking with Suzanne Brockman, who over the past 28 years has written 60 novels, including her award-winning troubleshooter series about Navy SEAL heroes and the women and sometimes the men who win their hearts. Uh, she has been the Nora Roberts Lifetime Achievement Award from Romance Writers of America. Um, she's got her latest what? novels are King's Ransom and Seal Camp. And now we just talked about Out of Body, which is a book and coming out very soon, streaming on Amazon. So please, you know, get the book and watch this watch the movie when it's on Amazon. And if you'd like to reach out to Suze, you can reach out to Suze on Suze Brockman on Twitter. And then, of course, she has her website under SuzanneBrockman.com. And on Facebook, it's under Suzanne Brockman Books. And for our international listeners, um, I know some of your books are in, in different languages. I've read uh, two of them in German, Suze. Oh. So I'm not so sure how many languages you're in, but I think if you go to your Amazon, you know, in Germany, it's DE and um, in Italy, IT. Um, I'm sure you're going to find some of the books translated and they all are in English. So Suze, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. Um, please tune in to us, Leadership Beyond Borders, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And don't forget, if you miss us, don't worry, because we are on every major podcast platform. And this series is also brought to you by CINDA, one of Europe's largest nonprofit associations supporting small and medium businesses in Europe. You can learn more about CINDA on www.cinda.org. So with that, thank you and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.